everybody. Welcome to Leaning In, the podcast from Leading to Lean, where we talk about leading to lean, best practices in lean manufacturing, and just about anything else we feel like talking about. Uh, welcome to our podcast. Uh, we have with us today um, our usuals. We got Devin uh, running uh, all the technical side stuff and joining in on the conversation with us. How are you doing, Dev? I'm well, thanks. Good, good, good. You can make it today. I appreciate it. So. <laughs> Glad to be and here. then we have uh, we have Bob Argyle, who is our chief customer officer for Leading the Lean. He's on here somewhere. Howdy. Howdy. There's Bob. And then joining us today is Chad Williams. Chad's the corporate maintenance manager for West Liberty Foods. Uh, West Liberty Foods does all of the delicious sliced meat for Subway sandwiches across the country. And uh, we appreciate him being with us. Chad, how you doing? Good, Eric, and uh, thank you, and uh, hello to everyone. <laughs> We've been uh, kind of off air here a little bit ago. We uh, Every year, Leading the Lean has a fantasy football league, and we invite our uh, customers, clients, and friends to be a part of that. And we were just discussing uh, how much better my draft was than Chad's draft, and uh, <laughs> exactly... Uh, how bad we were! I was going to beat on him this year. Uh, Devin Devin chose not to draft. He let the computer do the drafting, like a technical guy would do. And, and if uh, I win, you all suck. You <laughs> <yes>. all <laughs> go down in shame because the computer beat us. And then Bob, of course, being the guy who is the uh, uh, the league uh, leader, he got to choose last, and so. Uh, I don't know. How did your draft turn out, Bob? Did it turn out okay? It turned out great. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna start the season off by just destroying uh, Chad's team. <laughs> looks like <laughs> looks like there's gonna be rain in Jacksonville this week, so uh, Aaron Rodgers will probably throw a few interceptions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think I. I, I think, well, I got uh, I got your other guy too. Um, Which one? Um, oh, Ben Roethlisberger. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you got Big Ben. Uh, yeah, that would be get Nate to play this year. Ben is from the, so one of our customers the, is in Finley, Ohio, where Ben's from. So that's right. So they that's love right. him there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how come we didn't get Nate in. He's not playing, huh? He's just kind of like, kind of that guy. He doesn't do that extracurricular stuff, I guess. So he's too busy. Yeah. All right. So, hey, Chad, uh, today wanted to chat a little bit about that you've been, uh, you know, you've, you've helped implement or have been the leading force in implementing uh, change in several plants. Um, give us a little background. How, how many how many plants have you been involved with, either with West Liberty Foods or or before that, in prior lifetimes, how many how many plants you've been involved with, kind of trying to change the maintenance culture? Uh, that's probably six different uh, facilities I've been in uh, involved with over the course of my career. So, yeah. uh, with West Liberty, we've uh, we've done four integrations with Leading to Lean, and we're uh, getting ready to start our fifth with our new uh, logistics facility in Bolingbrook, Illinois. So uh, this one will probably be uh, fairly simple uh, compared to, you know, where we were two, a little over two and a half years ago. 
um, with our first integration in our Mount Pleasant facility. So um, we had our call yesterday. I think everything's going pretty smooth. Uh, got uh, the ball rolling on our IT side uh, this morning. So it's going to be it'll be pretty uh, simple, st straightforward this time around. Awesome. When when you when you go into a facility and especially with the maintenance guys, right? And maintenance folks, I should say. I, I apologize to the maintenance women out there, um, especially to to maintenance groups. You know, these are are not the most uh, uh, change malleable people that you've ever dealt with in your life. I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> maintenance organization. <laughs> Yeah, typically they're they're not champions of change. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, if they're putting a different carburetor on their car, that's about as far as the change that goes uh, with these guys. So, but how do you get over the barriers to to implementing culture change with inside of maintenance groups? Can you give us some technic techniques and tactics that you've kind of used uh, in yeah, order to. Yeah, I think one of the biggest one is, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the biggest fear that we run into is uh, it's going to be Big Brother watching uh, what they're doing day in and day out. And I think it's, uh, you know, getting them used to uh, navigating in the system, recording their work, and showing them and giving them the understanding of what um, – leading to lean can provide to them to make them more efficient, more technically sound in their positions. Um, you know, getting that, getting that buy-in from them, uh, granted, it's not going to, um, have an effect on everyone. You're still going to have your naysayers, you know, your one percenters out there. Uh, but eventually they come around, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, showing them how to navigate within the system is critical. Giving them the tools, you know, either be it, you know, we run a tablet with every technician of the company, you know, getting them, you know, a very simple thing like a stylus to uh, uh, input data on the tablet keyboard. You know, that's a, that's a real easy win there. Yeah, that's one thing we saw was, you know, you get these guys with uh, their their dry, calloused fingers that touch screens are not exactly their friend, is it? Yeah. No, and we've actually had, you know, uh, some of our best performers are guys that aren't, uh, I guess, for any better term, technically savvy. Um, you know, typically they probably don't even own a smartphone today. They still have a flip phone. They probably don't even have a computer at home. Um, but today, two and a half years later, I mean, they're some of our best uh, um, team members that are capturing good quality data in the system today. I need to jump in real quick and let you, our listeners, know that there's going to be an unexplained noise in the background of our recording. Uh, just know that it's not your speakers, it's not your headphones, it's not your audio player. It's in the recording itself. I couldn't justify taking it out of the recording because the podcast wouldn't make much sense afterwards, so I left it in. But I'll back out now. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Today, two and a half years later, I mean, they're some of our best... Uh... Um, team members that are capturing good quality data in the system today. Right. Bob, Bob tells a story, and Bobby will chime in here, but about how 
you know, way back when, when you were a maintenance manager, about who are some of the really now some of the best guys that are using the system were some of the guys that uh, that we thought were were not going to be the best guys using the system, right, Bob? When when you were doing this, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it always they always surprise you, and uh, you know, it was interesting. We had some of our our top players that. You know, we, we learned real fast that they didn't want to play as a team. And so um, sharing information and stuff really, you know, was a, an adjustment for them because they like to be the, you know, the person that came in and saved the day. And the, the system really promotes, you know, sharing of that knowledge and getting everybody up to the same level. And so we had people that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say they were at the bottom, but you know, they, they weren't our highest performers, and the people that we thought were our highest performers really, you know, they were sharp and they were good guys, but they you know, they weren't always the team players. So getting a system that really helped, you know, drive communication and collaboration, you know, really started to bring some other folks to the surface. And, you know, and, and in the end, we had a, a much, much stronger team. Right. Right. Especially when you when you begin to understand roles and responsibilities and kind of how that fits in and people falling into place. Right. And, and being able to do certain uh, certain jobs and not like you said, not wanting to be the hero or the freelancer or the, uh, you know, in some cases, the artist, you know. Right. Out and saves the day type oh. of thing. People begin to work together. So. Yeah, and the key with those individuals is you got to show them that you know you got to find another way to recognize them because you know they've been used to, you know we used to we used to joke that we'd pack them around on our shoulders around the plant because they came in at two in the morning and and saved the day you know we, right that's right. a major downtime issue and here comes the hero and comes in and in fifteen minutes it's up and running and it's like right. there's something wrong with that whole picture so but yeah. you know what we kind of create you create your own your own monsters you know when when that happens and it's it's you know so you got to find another way to recognize them so what we did is really focus on you know you know the metrics and driving downtime down and how they can help elevate you know the more you can help elevate the people around you that's what we're going to recognize you for right. so you just got to find a different way to to acknowledge and and recognize people Chad, you've had you've had a, a lot of success. Get, give me give me some examples, or just talk a little bit about how you have you know kind of done that. How 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 have you um, allowed people to recognize those small wins that you guys have had, or or when they've done something that that's really contributing to the team uh, and success. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, probably our best success story is our Mount Pleasant facility, uh, you know, which they re received an excellence award from Leading to Lean this past year at the June customer conference. Um, you know, if you look back two years ago, um, Mount Pleasant, our facility in Mount Pleasant was our elite worst performing facility uh, when you look from uh, operational availability. Maintenance downtime was, uh, you know, almost out of control you know obviously it wasn't all maintenance but you know you get operations team you know they like to blame the maintenance team a lot but what the the system's done for us is uh, you know help us identify those reoccurring issues those firefighting uh, opportunities and really get a handle on them and uh, focus more of our daily efforts on planned maintenance activities where you know 
today. Uh, we're right around. I just actually did the KPR, KPI chart uh, this past week uh, for the maintenance teams. But, uh, you know, when we're looking at uh, our percentages, uh, how much time are we spending on reactive maintenance? Uh, we're right around 15% for a week uh, versus, you know, two years ago, we were probably 80% reactive mode. Um, that's so that's phenomenal. Great, yeah, it's been a great jump for us. Do we still have some opportunities? Yes, we do. Uh, our other three plants are starting to come online. Um, you know, but you know, we we reward guys um, based off their their performance within leading to lean. You know, we have a performance base objectives for our hourly technicians. Um, so, you know, we, we put together metrics for them and achievable goals uh, based off the data we're seeing in L2L um, for them to, to achieve. And, you know, in the long run, where does it benefit them? It benefits them in the pocketbook that basically they have an opportunity to get more money. And, you know, granted, that's the main driving force why, you know, maintenance technicians are in the field today. Uh, you know, the higher wage, but, you know, it's a sense of accomplishment for them. Right, right. Yeah, that's really, uh, you know, the, what we know about maintenance guys and what I've known in my career about maintenance guys and, and maintenance folks is that, you know, <clears throat> that sense of accomplishment of, of getting something done is huge for this group. Uh you know, point them in the right direction, let them go where they need to go and get their work done and remove the barriers out of the way for them to uh, be able to get that work done is probably the most important thing for them. I think they just, just tell me what to do and I'll go do it, you know? And so as you move from that reactive state into that proactive state, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that they really care whether they're doing reactive work or proactive work, you know, they, uh, as long as you make it, uh, you know, easy for them to get their work done, they're going to go get it done. So, well, yeah. to add to that, I think they all, you know, they most, most people in that, in that uh, field of work they're, you know, if you go to their house, their garage is immaculate. They're, they're working on, they're building things, you know, whether it's, some of them are building their own homes they're building cars, they're, you know, they, they love watching things like NASCAR. So they're really perfectionists too. So they, you know, I've always, I've always said, you know, they want to be part of something great and yep. you got to create that environment. Yep. Otherwise they feel like they're part of, you know, just, you know, like you said, Chad, you know, it's easy to point the finger at the maintenance department and you, you continue to point the finger at them and don't, you know, give them a chance to succeed. They're going to, they're going to lose confidence and, and the momentum's just, you know, morale and momentum all go in the wrong direction. So, um, it's fun to watch them get to a place, you know, we'll go into plants and we'll go in and they'll show us, you know, their maintenance shop, how they, you know, kind of, you know, usually the maintenance shops back in the back corner, it's dark and dingy and no, you know, it's ignored, you know, and, you know, once they start to have a sense of pride, they'll clean it up, paint the floors and put some new lighting in there and you go in and you can just feel the, the energy. Um, Hey, I have a question for cat Chad. Um, so leading to lean, you know, when we approach a lot of uh, customers or potential customers and, and including, you know, West Liberty Foods, 
you know, sometimes we get feedback, you know, when they see how our system works and how it engages people, you know, it really starts around the reactive side of things. So, you know, you know, when you got a downtime issue, how do you know what's going on and how do you know it in a real time manner and how do you get people engaged in that issue? So sometimes we'll get comments like, well, this is just a reactive system. And they don't really see that connection to how it's going to help them on the proactive side, because in every site we go into, you know, after a few months, we start to see that they, they're proactive and their scheduled work actually starts to, you know, improve and actually getting, it starts getting done. So I just wondered what, what your thoughts are on that, because I, I have my own personal, you know, experiences and my own, you know, understanding of why that's so important. But, you know, we'll go into sites and they'll say, well, this is just a reactive system. We need a better scheduling and planning system. And, you know, and that's a good point, Bob, and, um, you know, where you see the benefits, you know, you got to have an understanding of the different modules within leading to lean. You know, the dispatch portion of it, you know, they're, they're, that's where you're recording all your reactive data, but then that's where the events are happening with your scheduled work. You know, you, people need to take a look at, you know, okay, are we getting work generated uh, in the work order system from outside of the maintenance team. Um, you got to look at what effort you're putting into your PM programs through the scheduler. It, and you got to get folks to understand it's the dispatch is when the events are happening, be it reactive or being at planned activities. You have to look at all three aspects of the system to understand how that drives you to be a proactive maintenance department. And cool. what we've done or what I've done is, you know, I've kind of taken, you know, I've been in the, the maintenance field for 20 plus years now. Um, you know, kind of back when I started out, we used to get, get a lot of data on a, a standard Excel spreadsheet, you know, looking at efficiencies of maintenance departments. It was a pretty high level uh, reports at the different companies I was at. Uh, but when you really get down to how can this benefit maintenance technicians operations at the plant level to right down to the operator on the floor is, you know, looking at a lot of the charts um, and putting a, you know, a line graph up there and graphing out, you know, what we look at today, I have uh, put together six KPIs, which, you know, I think fits our audience today. If you look at, um, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, the, the changing of the generations in the maintenance field. Uh, you know, our technicians coming in today are smarter. I, I wouldn't, in a technical aspect, they want to see the colorful charts. They want to see, you know, where it's graphing out over a period of time versus getting a spreadsheet with a bunch of numbers across it. So we have six um, that I share with all of our plants. We look at different KPIs. We looked at you know, how many reactive dispatches did we have for a week? Uh, how many PMs did we get completed? Uh, how uh, was our PM on time completion percentage? Did we, you know, get them done when we were supposed to? Uh, how many uh, found during PM deficiencies are we finding? And uh, are we utilizing our uh, authorized labor? And we put it in a very simple chart. And uh, I know all of our plant engineers, they share them with their uh, 
uh, site leaders and you know the the first line supervisors share those with their technicians and you know we actually get te- technicians when they see at uh, you know a specific week where their uh, reactive dispatches were high you know they want to know why hey what what happened this week um, you know one of our sites too we we've actually incorporated the the production side of leading to lean and um, you know we're seeing some great benefits out there you know for last week for example our uh, mechanical downtime percentage was 1.94 percent for the week which you know being in the food business is pretty darn good um, you know how did we get there um, we got there by utilizing you know the production aspect of L2L and the maintenance side of it and bringing those together and understanding okay what's impacting our efficiencies in our facility you know it's not always maintenance you know it could be you know maybe we got a bad uh, lot of meat from uh, further processing uh, that's causing impact to our slicing machines our packaging machines well that's not really maintenance related but it's giving the the sites a tool to look at what their problems are you know we took two years and you know we had opportunities in our maintenance realm uh, that we needed to take care of you know we needed to take care of our business first and now we're we're kind of getting the information out there with the operations team so that hey look this isn't a maintenance problem this is an operational problem you need to you know take care of your business as well so you know we're i was pretty ecstatic when i saw the downtime for last week out of that facility and you know that's where you you send out an email and or uh, give a telephone call and say hey tell everybody they did an outstanding job last week so when when those when those good numbers come in chad there's a <clears throat> there's a lot of promotion that you have to do right from a maintenance standpoint um when it comes to promoting the values and virtues of good proactive maintenance is it not yeah i mean i mean i got to be a cheerleader you know to, you know do the little things you know the, those little things you know a thank you a, a job well done and typically when i visit a site you know what goes a long way with maintenance guys is food you know hey i'm i'm going to buy you the whole team lunch <laughs> i'm going to buy the whole team pizza you know hey i'm going to feed everybody make everybody happy well everybody you know? wants everybody wants to like I said, everybody wants to be part of something great. They want to know if they're winning or losing. And they want to be recognized for it. But isn't it amazing what visibility does? Exactly. You, you hit the mark right right there, Bob. I mean, the visibility, you know, and getting the, you know, the support areas to understand that, I guess I, I should say maintenance is a support function, but um, – to the operational teams, to the accounting teams, to the IT teams. Hey, look, we're not we're not hiding anything. We we have all of our maintenance, all of our tab activities out there as an open book to make this facility successful. You guys should too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you know those operators that are running those machines every day. That's probably one of our best sources of data that we get from them inputting, you know, operator fixes that, you know, in past systems, you may go months and not even know that, but with leading to lean and incorporating all the pieces, those continuous operator fixes, you know, that's just at a point, uh, the beginning of having a serious mechanical failure. So we could actually drive into more predictive maintenance items 
based off you know the feedback we're getting from the operators and, and you know today we have it documented it's being inputted daily into the system so there's no uh, well you know so and so said I've had this problem for the last three months well did you tell anybody well I told so and so over here well did they do anything you know that's no longer the case you know we have it documented we still have a ways to go I'm not saying we're a hundred percent perfect uh, but we're making great strides but just you know having that visibility on all the information we're collecting not only from maintenance but from the operations teams as well yeah but and maybe bob bob and, and and chad both of you this is a question for both of you how, how did you chad how did you um and what did you do in order to kind of gain the the trust and the um teamwork of the production side to help get to this point where you're at? You know, fortunately, you know, that's a good question. You know, um, Eric, we had a couple folks that, you know, had experience with uh, leading to lean at other companies that were in this facility. Uh, and it was just, uh, you know, for my role, you know, I gave them the car keys. I said, here you go. This is uh, to our three folks out in our uh, Tree Mountain, uh, Utah facility. Said, here's the car keys to the production piece. You, this is yours. And you know they were happy. They're like, oh wow, somebody's actually letting us do this. We know what needs to be done. You know, were there mistakes made along the way? Yeah, there was. You know, not only from them setting up the operational side, but you know some things we needed to tweak on the maintenance side too you know, bring all this data in line together, but it's just giving them the keys and to the car and say, here you go, take it out, take it for a test run. So Chad, what's, uh, what's the difference between an employee that feels empowered and a, an employee that does not? What is that? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, the guy says one thing the whole interview, and then now he like loads. <laughs> he, he just loads up with a question here on this one. That yeah, I've been thinking about you this know, here, for a long let me, time. <laughs> let me give you an example on this. Before we went to leading to lane, you know, we had a uh, sub, in my eyes we had a substandard CMMS system. Um, we, as a corporate group, we did audits on our facility. And one of the questions um, I try to, when I go in and visit one of our facilities, I, you know, I try to talk to um, a good group of mechanics across, you know, multiple shifts. I try to talk to the machine operators, you know. Um, I talk with the, the plant leadership teams every day. So, you know, I, I want to talk to people what's going on. And I remember when I first did one of my first audits here with West Liberty Foods in a facility, I talked to a mechanic, and he had been uh, working on this same equipment since for eight years. The day we put it in there through till eight years later, you know, from brand new till eight years old, he's been working on this equipment every day. And we were—I was talking to him about PMs and kind of evaluating his their internal PM program. And he goes. We were kind of going through this, you know, equipment he's been working on for eight years. And he goes, well, I really don't do that. And I said, really? And I said, well, why? He goes, well, it really doesn't need to be done every day, but, you know, I do this instead. I said, well, why are you still doing this PM? He goes, well, because it's in the system. And I said, did you question it? 
He goes, well, yeah, and you know the the typical answer he got was, well, we can't change PMs. It's like, but now I can go back today, and if you look at our PM program in the same facility, that guy, mechanic on the floor, that's been there working on the same equipment for ten years or eleven years now. He has say his whole PM program has changed to reflect what he's been doing and ensuring that equipment's ready to run every day. He's doing his predictive, he's doing his preventative to what he's the expert. You know, we developed our PM and changed our PM program to use his knowledge and you know, that guy's happy. I mean, he goes, Hey, I'm I know what I need to do every day. And I'm actually working on a job that was scheduled for me. So is this a matter of, of trust right? between him and the yeah and his boss? Yeah, bridge, it, yeah, it's bridging that gap, giving you know not a, you know the mechanic, the technician on the floor, seeing the PMs that are coming up, you know having a you know the technical work instructions there, and then having that ability to go back to a supervisor and say, hey, look, this PM says I do this. Well, I don't need to be doing it. I need to be doing it this frequency, or I need to be doing this, this frequency. And the PM, and the supervisor has the power, you know, there on the floor to change that and modify that PM. Now, granted, there is some oversight with our maintenance superintendents and plant engineers, because we just don't want them not doing PMs, you know, we want to make sure we've evaluated the process before we uh, modify a PM or, you know, change a frequency or whatever we choose to do with it based off this feedback we're getting. Uh, but it's, you know, getting the, the power to do that down to the technician level, that's what really, you know, I don't know if that I'm answering your question here, but um, giving them a, a vote, uh, you know, some people are going to listen to their input. Not just say, hey, no, I understand, we can't change it. You know, letting them drive the change is what you really empowers the technicians out there on the floor. Well, it sounds like there's a culture culture change that needs to happen not only on the technician level, but, you know, the management level as well. Oh, it, it definitely yeah. is. Um, you know, you have to have, um, you know, there's always, you know, senior level leaders in a plant that are, you know, anytime change comes, you know, they're not going to, they're going to question it, but the long-term aspect change is good. It's improved your efficiencies of your operation, which increases the bottom line. That should be our motto. Change is good, right? That's change is good. You want to, you want to create an environment where if things aren't changing, people are, you know, concerned. Yeah. Um, right. As opposed to, yeah. as opposed to the opposite which is which you know if you think about it if things aren't changing you know we're not improving we we should be concerned right yeah, yeah. Oh, i don't i've found that people are you know they 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 resist change and stuff until they get into an environment where they start to see you know that you know Good things are starting to happen. People are starting to listen to me. Uh, everybody understands the truth now. They can see what's going on. The thing, you know, it's funny. We'll go into sites and we'll, you know, like kind of in line with your story there with people out there doing things. Uh, you, you go out there and you find out, you know, once you start to see it, that 
yeah, they're doing these things and they've probably questioned them since day one, but they might've been trained, you know, right from day one to do that because that's the way it's always been. Yeah. You know, that's we, that's always been, we'll see issues that'll pop up and we'll say, Hey, look, you guys are, you're going out and making an adjustment, you know, twice a day. And it's taken, you know, after you, in, you know, from the time that production stopped because of it to when they're back up and running, it's, you know, 30 minutes at times, so that's an hour every day. And you hear comments like, well, that's not a problem. I was trained on that the first day I started. That's just the way it is. You know, it's, you know, it's just normal. And once everybody can see it and see the impact of it, it's like, whoa, whoa. And so it's really important to create that voice and to create an environment where change is, is openly accepted. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're really, you're really declining and dying, really. Yeah, we've we've seen situations, Bob, in in situations like that where they've actually written work instructions on how to do those adjustments, right? Oh yeah. So you have those work instructions on how to do adjustments, and then you get audited against those work instructions, and so (laughs) you fail the audit because you you know you you didn't didn't do work instructions like you did right. So then you have to hire people to fix the work instructions. You know, just go out and fix the problem of doing the adjustments and, uh, you know, to worry about none of that stuff. So it's get, yeah, it really yeah. gets ingrained into the into the deep roots of an organization, those little it, things do, don't they? It's so much funner, you know, the maintenance, the maintenance guys, you know, and you know, this applies to everybody. I mean, it's not just we're talking a lot about maintenance, but it applies to everybody. But empowering them, giving them tools that actually help them do their job better makes such a huge difference. Giving them the keys <laughs> of the car, oh, Chad. Exactly, you know, but you got, you know, you got to be really thoughtful on the tools you're going to give them. You know, they have to be simple to use, yeah, you know, user friendly, and not take a whole lot of time, right, uh, for them to understand so, the concept of what we're trying to do. So, so with that, Chad, I know you've you've had a a lot of experience with some other CMMS systems. How does and some big, you know, probably the big benchmark CMMS systems out there. How does you know, the leading to leading leading to lean system compared to those and what what would you say is, makes us a little bit unique? I think what makes it you know really what really makes you unique is the ease of navigating through the system and understanding how the system operates. And then the second piece too is the flexibility of your team to modify something to change it. You know, when you kind of look back in the day, you know, even like even 10 years ago, if you had a off the, you know, out of the box system that you, you stored on your own server, you know, it's like, hey, we'd really like this tweaked a little bit, this changed a little bit. Well, that's going to cost you $50,000 to do. And it's like, you know, how many times, Bob, I mean, I think I've reached out to you and the guys there. Like, hey, can we tweak this? Can we do this? And it's like, oh yeah, no problem. And typically within 24 hours, you know, it, it's been changed. It's been updated. Um, yeah. Well, our philosophy know, think, there is our philosophy there. I mean, I, we, we probably haven't done everything you've asked for. We, I mean, one thing we do is no, no. <laughs> we, yeah, we, yeah, we would love to. I mean, the one thing that we've, you know, so the system was created by people in a manufacturing facility, so it was created to solve their problems, and so. We, we realize that our our future depends on that same input into our development going forward. So when you guys come to us and say, hey, you know what we really need is this. This would make the system this much more effective for us. 
we look at that and we realize, you know, those things real quick, you know, well, yeah, that's, that's, that is most of the time they're great ideas. They're, you know, it's, it's things we wouldn't have thought of. And it's, you know, so when we implement that idea for you guys, we instantly give that same value to all the rest of our yeah, right. hundreds of customers. Yeah. I mean, they get it instantly. So it's a win-win. It's, you know, the challenge for us is it's like any Kaizen system is just keeping up with all your guys' great ideas. I mean, that really is our biggest <laughs> challenge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we probably, you know, I know we've thrown a lot out there, but, you know, and like going to the customer conferences and, uh, you know, the Zen death, the Zen community, that's, uh, you know, you get a lot of good ideas, you know, just, you know, we're predominantly, we're in the food business, but, you know, reaching out to automotive, ammunition, you know, whoever uh, your other customers are, you know, everybody has a good idea. But when you, and I think sometimes people get afraid to bring it up, but really when you look at it, it's all maintenance activities. It doesn't matter what, it's you all know. Yeah, it's all the same. It's all it's the same. Yeah. Everybody thinks they're unique and they're different. Oh, we're different. We do. We make. We make sandwich meat. We make. <laughs> well, it's a sandwich meat. We're still doing the same thing. We're doing. Pre, we're doing preventative maintenance, predictive maintenance, and reactive maintenance. Well, we, we'll have them list out. So, what issues are you? What are your challenges? What are, and they're no different from automotive to you know making rockets and airplanes. I mean, it's all yeah. the same issues. Well, I, I had a in my consulting we're, we're career. Gonna, Go ahead, Chad. Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. I was going to say, in my consulting career, if I had a dime for every time somebody said, yeah, but you don't understand, Eric, we're different, uh, I wouldn't have to work anymore. You know what I mean? So, Yeah. I think the big thing, too, it's more of a, I don't see the leading to lane team as a vendor. I see them as a partnership with the leading to lane system to help us make better, make us better. Well, I'm still going to beat you this week in fantasy football. Right? <laughs> I know you're still going to beat me. I mean, I think I know everybody on your team except for you know um, a few uh, you know a few of your newer folks. But I think I've met them, talked to them quite a bit. Um, you know, you don't get that personalization from you know some of your off the shelf, out of the box CMMS companies. Yeah, well, we appreciate that. Appreciate that. And uh, that's uh, what's benefits me. I mean, we've had our growing pains. I mean, I think we, we all can attest to that. But it, it's the relationship we've built over the last couple of years, which, you know, really makes the system successful. Awesome. Well, guys, we're about out of time here. So, uh, Chad, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for your insight. And uh, hopefully uh, those folks out listening to the podcast will gain something from that. Um, if they have any, uh, if they have any questions, Chad, can they email you with questions? Would that be okay? Yeah, that's no problem. I think, uh, you know, I've registered my email, my telephone number from the, the customer conference and, you know, yeah, that's no problem at all. Anybody who wants to reach out to me feel free. Yeah. So just go into leading the lean, go into uh, support at leading the lean.com and go into the help center. You should be able to find Chad in there. Email one of us and we'll put you in touch with Chad if you'd like. So, hey, thanks everybody for listening today. Thanks for leaning in. Remember to follow us all on all your social media platforms. Also, remember to sign up for our podcast. Tell your friends to sign up for our podcast on all your favorite podcast hosting sites. And again, thanks for leaning in.